Hello, and welcome to the September edition of the Waterlog Podcast. My name is Dan Janolfi. And I'm Howard Marlowe. Thanks very much to the American Shoreline Podcast Network and Coastal News Today for hosting us. Today, we'd like to touch again on offshore wind, as well as funding opportunities through the Corps of Engineers for technical assistance and comprehensive planning. And then we'll provide a brief overview of what to expect from Congress as it returns from the summer recess. Let's get started. The wind blows harder at sea than on land. That's a fact. America needs to get off fossil fuels. That's also a fact. But what are the impacts of offshore wind? In America, nobody really knows for sure. There are only seven wind turbines currently installed in the U.S. that block island wind farm hosts, five of them, uh, with two of them off of uh, Virginia Beach. And the Block Island Wind Farm is currently not operating. It has leaked oil. Its undersea cables were not properly buried to the appropriate depth, causing damages to fishermen and their gear, and requiring millions of dollars to rebury them. It's frankly not a good look for the industry and highlights real concerns with what is supposed to be the future for the U.S. As the Bureau of Ocean Energy Management races to install wind farms up and down the East Coast, scientists and researchers are also racing to keep up with the pace and provide information about the impacts that offshore wind may pose in the United States. The concerns about offshore wind are real. BOEM is planning to cover the entire continental shelf with over 5,500 turbines. And they're not small. Most are over 1,000 feet tall and have really never been constructed in the ocean before. Also, the Atlantic coast is different than the North Sea in Europe, which is home, currently home to the majority of wind farms on the planet. Here on the East Coast, we have different marine species, different currents, different avian species, and different political and societal norms to work with. We also have hurricanes. So information from other countries cannot necessarily be relied on in the U.S. Over the next decade, every single coastal community is likely to have some form of offshore wind off its coast, including the Great Lakes. Impacts range from environmental impacts to marine mammals, birds, and disturbances to the seafloor, to impacts on electricity, bills, jobs, and tourism. Now, informed communities are worried, and they should be, but the question is, what can they do? Other than tying up federal agencies and developers with lawsuits, they can demand what are called impact payments. Impact payments are made to affected communities who may lose jobs, tourism revenues, or fishing revenues as a result of offshore wind projects. These payments could support lost jobs, help workers transition to new careers, support tourism losses, or even help states pay for coastal resilience, ecosystem restoration, or beach nourishment. Right now, there are a few bills in Congress that do just that, with some subtle differences. We talked about this on our last podcast, but we want to make sure our listeners know about this because it's important. The RISE bill in the Senate, S-2130, and the Breeze Act, H.R. 8437, in the House, currently the text is not available if you're looking for it, are two bills achieving very similar results. The similarities in the bill include parity between interior and coastal states on the revenues they derive from oil and gas. In addition, the $500 million cap for coastal states is lifted. For offshore wind, the bills define eligible states as states that are within 75 miles of the geographic center of a lease area. Both bills break down revenues from lease sales, as well as any bonuses or other fees, into three categories. 50% goes to eligible states, 37.5% goes to a grant program, and 125 goes to the general treasury. The differences between the bills are where the grant program funding goes, and how states are able to distribute revenues. In addition, the Breeze Act specifically states that revenues can be used for beach nourishment, flood protection, estuary management, and fisheries research, and more, 
The RISE Act is not as specific, but it does mention hurricane protection. In our view, thinking of our clients, as well as our listeners here today, the ideal version of this bill is a combination of the two. The Breeze Act distributes grant funds to the North American Wetlands Conservation Fund, whereas the RISE bill distributes grant funds to the National Ocean and Coastal Security Fund. The latter, the RISE bill, is preferred in this case. However, the RISE bill does not cite specific uses of funding that the Breeze Act does, and includes a more complicated formula for allocating state grant funding. Ideally, the breakdown of federal revenues for offshore wind would be 50% to eligible states, 37.5% to the National Oceans and Coastal Security Fund, and 12.5% to the General Treasury. Of the 50% allocated to states, coastal political subdivisions, meaning municipalities and uh, local coastal communities, of the eligible states would receive 20% share of the available funds. In addition, revenue shared from offshore wind would be eligible for coastal resilience, estuary management, beach nourishment, flood protection, uh, ecosystem restoration, fisheries, and science research. This is simple and effective legislation that we support. In addition, NOAA and the National Marine Fisheries are trying to, at least trying to develop a fair plan to compensate fishermen for lost gear and fishing revenues. Those conversations have been difficult to listen to as fishermen raise real problems and federal agencies provide no real solutions, a testament to how offshore wind is moving too fast in this country. Moving on to funding opportunities with the Corps of Engineers. Uh, the Corps has, as our listeners know uh, from listening to Waterlog, the Corps has received more funding than ever, uh, particularly with a massive plus-up from the infrastructure bill. And part of that funding includes $39 million in what we consider up-for-grabs funding for technical assistance and comprehensive planning. If you need comprehensive planning, the money is literally up-for-grabs as it's free. Technical assistance, on the other hand, comes at a 50% cost share, but compared to uh, the cost of an engineering firm, that's a 50% discount. This program is called the Planning Assistance to States Program and has been used for small studies and planning projects that have helped states and local governments make informed decisions. We've talked about this program before. While most of us know the core from big infrastructure projects it builds like bridges, dams, flood barriers, and levees, the core has smaller programs like Planning Assistance to States Program that take advantage of its in-house engineering expertise. Examples include studying and surveying low-lying areas to determine what roads and utilities need to be raised to be resilient against storms and flooding, or stormwater improvement plans or how to improve local streams to prevent flooding. This program is generally funded based on previous requests and has uh, been funded in previous years at around nine to $10 million per year. Right now there is 39 million available. And we talked to headquarters, and right now there's not a current plan to distribute any of that money. So with this huge boost from the infrastructure bill, are you going to get any? I'm putting in my application, Dan. I also am putting in my application for increased time on this program. You know, but let's talk about some of the things that are going on that we can look forward to in Congress. Uh, September is 30 days long, but only 11 of those days are both sessions of Congress, uh, both chambers of Congress going to be in. And once it comes to October, they're really going to be gone fairly quickly. So I know they got, what was a calendar show, Dan? Maybe a couple of days in October? The Senate's in, but there's no, there's not a single day in October where both chambers are in session. Well, 
Well, they'll adjust if they need to, but there really won't be very much in terms of uh, time left. So if you're looking at spending bills, for example, it's really going to be a continuing resolution because it looks to us, let's put it this way, two chances. One, that they managed to get one minibus, which hopefully includes funding for at least the Corps of Engineers, Bureau of Reclamation, um, in the energy and water spending bill. But there'll be a couple of bills uh, put together with that. The other, more likely, the other possibility is we have a, a continuing resolution until sometime after Labor Day, uh, rather, after Election Day. So, you know, that's what we have to look forward to. And then WARDA could be passed in uh, September. House is taking care of its, its bill already. Senate really doesn't have to, has taken care of it. So they have to just conference the two. Staff is working on that over the, um, the August break. And hopefully uh, they're able to get it on the floor, get it passed uh, before what I'll call the election day break. After election day, all depends on what the outcome of the elections is in terms of control of the House and control of the Senate as to how much gets done. If it switches hands in, let's say, both chambers switch hands, I think uh, we're going to see a lot put off until uh, the next Congress next year, whatever they can. I don't think that includes word. I think word will pass. But the spending bills, I... I wouldn't put a, uh, a dollar's worth of bet on what will happen with that. So I think that's the outlook for what's going to happen in Congress. Yeah, and I think it's even possible, I think it was in, uh, in 2020, WERDA was built right into the spending bills as the omnibus. Oh, yeah. It was a, so. a huge, I don't think you could even call it omnibus. It was like, what, a megabus? <laughs> I think omnibus is actually bigger than megabus. I don't know what the hierarchy of... What is it? Of well, we'll have to get uh, maybe our listeners can come up with some uh, suggestions there because it's like a King Kong kind of bus. Anyway, that's a possibility, but uh, we will keep you informed. We're recording this podcast about a week earlier uh, than usual. Things are not likely to change in the next week, but uh... doubtful. Hopefully, you all have had a great summer and that you enjoy the Labor Day weekend. We will know more by October, hopefully. And we'll be listening to you or talking to you then. Until then, take care and enjoy the rest of your summer.